Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about uh, parenting and the challenges of parenting as an artist. And with me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Yeah, we thought we should take this kind of unique opportunity, since we are mother and son, to talk about this topic, which is one that a lot of people think about or have gone through. And um, at some point, I'll probably want to interview somebody who's right in the thick of having small children. Uh, for me, it's it's a bit of a memory, but there are memories. <laughs> yeah, but in some ways, this is like what the whole podcast is about. And so it's kind of surprising that we haven't really done an episode on this until now. Um, but uh, it's uh, I think it's something that's very important. It's a challenge that a lot of people face. Yeah. Um, and it's something that uh, is very difficult for some people. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of apprehension around it. If you're at the stage where you're thinking, could I have children? Uh, I kind of want them, but I'm very focused on my career. How's that going to work? So there's, there's fear involved. I know yes. that once people enter into it, they find solutions. But well, in some ways, this is this isn't really any different for art than any other career. You're right. Um, this is something it's kind of universal in terms of the apprehension over having children and how it affects what you're doing with your life. Maybe a little bit different in the way that art demands so much of your inner self, and it it requires solitude, I think, and it requires contemplative time, and. It's also so personal. And I think that these things are a little different in any of the creative fields where you have to really pull from inside yourself. And you wonder, will there be something there to pull when I've been giving, giving all day to my kids? Well, and it may be kind of different for than uh, like a normal desk job or something where you're just going to work for somebody else. But anybody who's got some kind of entrepreneurial, mm -hmm. you know, business that they're running, it involves a lot of emotional self-investment. There's, there's a lot of energy that has to go into your work and it's it, maybe it's a little bit like the apprehension parents have when they have one child and they say, can I have another one? Will I love it as much? <laughs> you <know? Sure. laughs> and you, you, you think about you're starting out. I have a child. I, I have my art career. Will I love it as well? I love the child as much as my art career. <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> but it, it's just those kind of back and forth emotions before you get into it um, that I think are pretty common. I think that, Parenting demands a lot of behavior from yourself that is not about yourself. It's selfless behavior for your children and thinking what's good for them. And yeah, there, there are conflicts. There are time conflicts, energy conflicts. But as you said, true for a lot of jobs. I think the other thing about being an artist that's a little hard for people outside people to understand is Many people I know when I had small kids would look at me as a stay-at-home mother, right? Because I am at home, I'm doing my work. And so I would be called upon to do volunteer work or things. And, and there was this, and I didn't mind, I did some of it, but there was a sort of assumption of, oh, well, you're just home anyway, you know? And Well, and I think that that's something that a lot of people 
probably face who are working from working home, home. Uh, yeah. in in one industry or another. Um, and uh, probably as as time goes on, I mean, I, I see a definite shift in the market happening toward kind of um, uh, Internet entrepreneurship and more things that are creative and things that you mm-hmm. do from home, whether it's directly related to art or. Yeah. And I, I do see the commonalities, but I, I think it's a bit of a special case. And there's another reason in that. It's hard when you tell somebody you're an artist. People don't assume that it's like a real career. No, they don't. They think it's a hobby or they're not going to think of it with the same respect usually as somebody who's running an at-home business that's clearly a business. And so there there are there are barriers to other people's opinions of what goes on, but that doesn't mean you have to have those same barriers in your own thinking. Because if you're serious about your career, you will make it work. And what I did when you guys were little, and um, Ben Ben is uh, Ross's brother, who was born three years before Ross. So I had two small children at home for a period of years. And I did use daycare for about, I think it was 15 hours a week. So that's not a lot of hours. <laughs> but what I had to discipline myself to do was as soon as I dropped the kids off, I would, I had to come home immediately and start working because, uh, you know. And, yeah, that time is precious. Very precious. And there was a lot of temptation to, oh, now it's time for a nap or something. You know, it, it's an intense life. But I think I did okay. I kept it going. And I think there's another I mean, something I struggled with personally, and maybe another thing people will struggle with, was would I lose my creative thread? Like, I had gotten pregnant shortly after being in grad school, and that was a huge transition into uh, life in rural Wisconsin from being in grad school and and becoming pregnant and wrapped up in the world of uh, pregnancy and there's so much emphasis on on that whole process, right? As long as the nine months that you're pregnant, it's pretty much... It's all huge, about the baby. and It's a huge big deal, yeah. And Preparing and, for the baby and your, your nutrition, preparing for the birth. And I think there's a, lot, a very common thing when the baby is born, the parents go, oh, okay, now we have a baby. Now what do we do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, after this nine months, it's like out of, out of the, the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. Exactly. So... Um, but I was I was really worried that I would lose my momentum as an artist, my creative drive, my ideas, and all that. I mean, that was that was probably my biggest feeling inside that was a worry to me, because I knew that many of my peers from grad school were moving on into teaching careers, or they were going to New York City, or they were doing something. I'm coming back to rural Wisconsin and having babies, you know. And it's so, so much worse now with Facebook. <laughs> Right, right. You know what everybody's doing. And I guess I just really got a pretty steely determination inside that I was going to keep going. And and there's a painting that I did uh, while I was pregnant with Ben. I was using acrylics instead of oils to be a little safer. And I remember finishing that painting with him in a little um, baby pack on my front as I was, as he was a newborn and it was a huge painting. And so it was kind of like, I'm hoping this is not my last hurrah, you know, <laughs> but it wasn't. And obviously, and I mean, if you're if you're painting with a baby carrier on, I, <laughs> like, I think that your commitment is it's got to only get easier from there once the kid is like not strapped to your chest. But but, you know, and, and that brings up something that for me did not work. And 
I think there's a, a, a feeling or an idea among people who are contemplating this whole venture. Oh, uh, I'll just have the baby in the studio with me in a little um, baby seat or maybe when it's older in a little playpen thing and everything will be fine and I'll just work and, you know, the baby will be fine because babies are cool and they'll just play or whatever. And mm, did not work for me. <laughs> I mean, once Ben got to the point of being not being an absolute newborn, he had his own ideas about how to spend his time and you did too. And so, to some extent, there were some lovely times when I had both of you in the studio or one at a time and you were, you were doing art. And, you know, that was really pleasurable for me. But I wasn't doing my own art at the same time. <laughs> I found that completely impossible. And, and I know that people do this and I know it depends on the personality of the child, whether they're going to put up with this or not. But, <laughs> um, so, I know when before I, I had the babies, the first baby, I thought this would not be a problem. But clearly, as soon as I tried it, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, you kind of need to like establish your workspace and your work time and have that be your workspace and your work time yeah. and not playtime with the kid or right you have to you have to realize that yeah the combination may may not be possible um another thing that happens i think and it's quite legitimate a lot of people do this is they just really do take time off when the kids are little and i was so worried about losing my momentum that i was i said no i can't do that but i know people who took and and this is men as well as women. Um, I know a stay-at-home dad who did this took four or five years off to to raise his son, and came back full force when the child entered school. And so, I don't. I'm not saying that doesn't work, and and that's that's another strategy. Yeah, I mean, even if art, if your art isn't the kind of thing where it's like riding a bike where you can just hop back on and take off from where you left off, um, you, you certainly have the background and the experience and getting back to the place where you were is not going to be as difficult as starting from square one all over again. Yeah, and I, I think at the time that this that I was having children, you know, I was pretty young and that, well, you have to be, that would that would be the stage for a lot of people. Um you you don't have as much confidence that that you will be able to do that so it's it's a brave step but it can work and i should also say all i think all of this is true for you know adopting children or whatever your situation is whatever stage of life you're in when you take this on some people take on grandchildren so there's there are ways to do it and and i i think it worked out pretty well i hope <laughs> ross seems to be a fairly well adjusted young man well, from what you can hear on the podcast, at least. <laughs> so I think you had some story about your friend Phyllis when you... Oh, yeah. Okay. So I won't use her last name because uh, this is this is not a great story about her, but she was an artist I knew, and uh, I knew her in grad school. And as I said, I, I left after grad school um, to come back to Wisconsin and have the babies. And so she was having an opening uh, at a point where I was quite pregnant. And so I hadn't seen her in the meantime, and she didn't know that I was pregnant. And so I went to her opening, and um, I just went up to her to say hi, congratulations, etc. And she looked at me, and she said, she had this weird look on her face, and she said, oh, what have you done? <laughs> 
I mean, what could I say? You know, I got knocked up. You know, <laughs> it's funny because I, I actually have a similar story. Except I was I was the Phyllis in this situation. You were. Oh. I was. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine. I was uh, working uh, at a uh, pizza place at the time, and uh, two of my coworkers entered into a relationship. And uh, one day, one of them comes up to me and says. You know, hey Ross, I just found out I'm pregnant, and my reaction was not good. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, no. <laughs> you know, and uh, I you're mean, supposed to say, hey, that's wonderful, congratulations. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that when you're, I guess it's it's hard to understand like how to react. You know, when because you know this is going to be a huge impact on this huge person's impact. life. Yeah. Um, and if it's if it's not clear that this was like. A planned pregnancy or, or that this was something that you know I mean they weren't married at the time they yeah. weren't living together as far as I know and so I guess if someone chooses to tell you though they're that you can treat it as they're sharing good news you know yeah, I, yeah yes and this is what I learned from that experience <laughs> and and my friend was fine with it and she you know she she just laughed about it later and and uh, now they're married and they have a beautiful family and beautiful home and yeah. you know it all worked out very well for them but at the time I I didn't know how to react and I well, reacted poorly and I think <laughs> I think those kind of reactions you know they, there's a root to that there was a root to what Phyllis said to me I mean I I was uh, I was startled and shocked and a little upset when she said it and later I thought she's she is processing she didn't have children and she's and she was a more mature artist than I was at the time. She's processing the fact that she saw me as a promising young artist who is now in an entirely different situation. <laughs> well, well, I mean, speaking as somebody who doesn't have kids, um, you know, there, there's I think that the reaction is probably different when you don't have kids. You yeah. don't really see things the same way. That's true. And I and when anyway, once you're in it, you're in it. And. I guess I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the really great aspects of having kids as an artist, <laughs> because there were many. And I think that seeing the creativity of young children, whether you're their parent, their teacher or whatever, their grandmother, it is absolutely intriguing and inspiring to see the freedom that kids do in their art, at least those under school age or if they've had a good school program and continue to be creative. Um, it's just, it's so fun. And of course I enjoyed doing things with you guys playing little art games and something like maybe um, telling, getting one of you to tell a story and then draw some pictures with it. Or I remember a game we played where I would just draw one line on a piece of paper and then I'd say, now you make a line and now I make a line. And then we would go back and forth like that. And it just, um, I remember too, that when I had been my first kid, of course, that I didn't, I wasn't thinking quite as much about any impact I might have on, on him. And he would say, draw me, draw me a cat, draw me this, draw me that. And I would do it. And then later I thought, is that okay? Like maybe that's kind of saying, oh, I can draw a cat, but. Like you should have said you draw a cat. Yeah, I I, I think that's what I did with you. So <laughs> you had a superior creative experience. <laughs> but you, you kind of learn, you learn a lot about kids through their art and you understand their kind of uh, inner life sometimes the things that they like to draw and 
so and and you we we've been doing this big clean out on the house and it just the past few weeks and I know you said to me why do we why do you keep all these old drawings and kid things and it's it's to some extent not entirely sentimental it's there are things that you guys did as children that I mean I've got some pinned up in my studio and I I just find them so intriguing. Well, and and child's art is is really interesting and I mean I I can look back at things that I did when I was a young child and I don't have any emotional connection to it. But at the same time, the, the children's art that I personally have kept is stuff that was given to me by like my cousins when they were really little. All right. Um, like during this big clean out, I found this, uh, this picture that one of my cousins made, uh, when we were, we were at the time we went, um, skiing in Colorado. Um, I was in high school at the time and, uh, for spring break, um, um, me and my dad drove out to Colorado and met up with the other side of the family and went skiing. And uh, they drew this picture. It was a portrait of me. Oh. Um, and uh, it was I was depicted as being at the uh, the bottom of the ski hill. And for some reason, my skis were like next to me, not on my feet. Oh. And I was like, why did you draw me without my skis on? <laughs> Maybe they thought you didn't you weren't a very good skier yeah that, I, exactly well and the funny thing is is that th- they were both at i don't know five six years old i don't remember how old they were uh they were both much better skiers than i was <laughs> and and i remember at one point uh uh ending up uh head first into a snow drift and and i was i was a capable skier at the time right, but right. these but these runs that we're going down are very very intense yeah. expert level and and uh my little cousins come skiing right up and dig me out of the drift and <laughs> portrait help, of ross has help been me get my skis back skier. on yeah exactly yeah <laughs> well maybe that was the incident they were depicting when they yeah exactly it. yeah, yeah <laughs> that's funny but i saved it is the end of the story is I, I did not <laughs> i did not throw this away i've i've kept it all these years <laughs> and i think you know even when you guys were quite a bit older, there were some really interesting art things going on. Um, I remember you won a, a prize at a um, for a clay sculpture that you did. That I just still love that, and it was it was beautiful and very personal. And it's a little box, and it, it said something inside. Yeah, that was that was in high school, I believe. Yeah, I'm saying when you were older. Yeah, yeah, and then um, and but earlier on too, there was uh um a children's book that yeah. that I made. I think that was third grade. Yeah. That I you, won some kind of prize for. You and, and Ben both won prizes for writing and illustrating books and so I remember they spelled my name wrong on the trophy. Right. Well those things happen. <laughs> <laughs> People rarely say my name right. So <laughs> Well it's funny because the trophy's coming from like the public school where I went, yeah, where, right. where I'm enrolled as a student and they couldn't get my name spelled right. <laughs> On a writing project. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, like, just pull it off the front cover. I mean, come on. How hard is this? And and one of the things I enjoyed particularly about Ben when he was older was that he really liked to look at my paintings and he would he would make thoughtful suggestions and, and give me... Good feedback, honest feedback. And I always say there's nothing more honest than a teenager. So um, I remember once I showed him some of my earlier landscape work, and he, he looked at it for a while and didn't say much. And I said, what do you think? And he said, Mom, I really don't think it's your best work. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually really appreciated that honesty. So, <laughs> and another time he was looking at some of my earlier multiple panel works, which at the time were just these horizontal rows of squares. And he said, What if you hung them vertically? 
And yeah, that, and that's a great contribution to your work. Actually, that opened up a big series for me. And so he was he was a good a uh, good set of eyes in the studio. I always uh, felt like he didn't do as much art himself as you did. But people, you know, they have different ways of entering art uh, as as appreciators or makers. And and I think one of the one of the huge joys of being a parent and having children is is watching them grow up and see them come into their own forms of creativity whatever it is and i know both of you guys had had music in your background you had acting um you had writing drawing art all those things you did and now as adults for ben it's music and for you it's just entrepreneurial things that you do and it's it's just very rewarding really as a parent to see how that grew over the years yeah and i i had a uh, a long discussion with somebody not too long ago um and uh you know actually i'm hoping maybe that he'll be a guest on the podcast at some point so i don't want to go too far into it but the gist of the discussion is that um your uh, your medium should choose you. Like you don't choose your art; your art chooses you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know there were uh, artistic paths that I wanted to take at some point in my life. Um, you know, uh, for me, it was a, a big one was ceramics. I was very into yeah. ceramics at one point. And you were uh, good at it too. I, yeah, but the the thing with it is that it was very hard on my body. Um, and, and there was a, a lot of stuff that I needed to make it work that yeah. I just didn't have the resources available to me. Um, and if I had made different choices, maybe those resources would have been available to me and my life would have been totally different. But, um, it, you know, at some point it's like you, you, you find opportunities, you find things that you're good at that are not necessarily the things that you wanted. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's more the, the audio production, um, and, uh, you know, the, the doing things that I'm doing right now, like this podcast, um, and in the past I've done audio books and things like that. Um, but it's, it, these are things that I had opportunities to do that I could self fund that I realized I would, I had some talent at, um, that were, you know, opportunities that came into my life that I wasn't necessarily expecting, but that I was looking for. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that the same thing kind of happened with you with cold wax. Yes. <laughs> it just sort of dropped into my life and I said, oh, hey, I like it. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think anything you've done, you've developed as a child is still there in the background if you ever choose it again. You know, you could... You might find yourself at a time in life much later where you say, I'm going to set up a, a clay studio or, you know, I'm going to take up the cello again or something. And you just, you really don't know, but you've had those experiences. And I think sometimes parents wonder, what is the, what is the value of providing experiences for their kids if the kids then move away from them? And I know I, I had those moments when, um, you know, we provided some lessons or something and, and you, you, you know, at times it was a stretch and to, to get you guys to camp or whatever it was. And then there'd be a sort of a turning away from it. And I just resolved it by thinking it, it all adds up to the whole person. And we don't know what the results of these particular interests or experiences will be, but we can continue to provide them. So I think, 
I think you have to, I think as parents, you can't be too controlling about it. I mean, you, you can't say to the kid, well, I've given you these piano lessons, so you better keep at it. Because it maybe it just wasn't the right thing. And, and we don't know as parents and kids don't know because their kids, although they may start to feel an aversion to it. And then you just have to respect that, I think. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's got to be a balance between things that you enjoy and things that you are good at, that you have talent for. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times there's a tendency to push your kids towards things that they have talent for. Mm-hmm. And this was something that was always frustrating for me growing up because there were a lot of things that I had talent in. You did. And uh, oftentimes there would be some teacher who would... <laughs> have my whole life planned out for me and this is what you're going to do and you're going to become a great fill in the blank you know know. and nine times out of ten ten times out of ten really i mean i'm not doing anything that anybody planned out for me in in middle school or in grade school but all you know all these teachers in my life had this had this plan for me you know as to what i was going to become that none of it was really interesting you you were a person with with a lot of the talents you tried a lot of things and you were without exception pretty good at everything you tried and i think i think it well i was never very good at like football or wrestling no, no, nothing athletic <laughs> <laughs> i was i was a competent skier but even then obviously my little cousins were digging me out of snowbanks so right but no in in the kind of more creative artistic things you did you did fine and and i think people adults whether they're your teachers or your parents see those sparks and they, yeah, right away they're thinking, yeah, this is it. And it is very tempting as a parent to keep pushing that. And I, because the other thing is you don't want the kid to give up too soon because there's going to be frustrations. And some, some of what you have to experience is working through the frustrations, working through the fact that you have to practice that musical instrument to get anywhere and things like that, which those are good life lessons. But yeah, where do you draw the line when you're just pushing something that isn't right for the kid. Well, in almost anything you do, like the first initial period, you see rapid progress, and then there's kind of a leveling off of the curve, you know, Uh, it happens any time you're trying to build a new skill, um, anytime you're trying to like lose weight or anything like that, you know, you're going to, you're going to see 80% of your progress right away. And then that 20% takes 80% of the effort. That's that's why people don't keep their new year's resolutions, right? Exactly. <laughs> Everything's great for a couple but, of weeks. But the then... flip side of that is that you can, you can learn 80% of something relatively quickly and then try something else yeah. and, and, and make that decision rationally. What do you want to become an expert at? Yeah. Which is, you know, since we're talking about parenting, that's really hard because you don't know whether as a parent you should be trying to make that decision for the kid or leaving it totally up to them or some middle ground. You know, I think I think we had sort of a middle ground, like we would push you guys to say if you'd signed up for some kind of class and you know, we, we'd make you finish the class or whatever, um, push it to an extent. But, but when it becomes a battle and it's clear that the kid doesn't want to do it, you say, okay. I get it. You don't like it, you know, and and you guys both. I mean, I think we always thought you knew your own minds pretty well. So <laughs> fairly self-directed people. Well, do we have any kind of final thoughts or? I, I would just like to ask you something, a few things. Okay. Um, because you grew up with me. <laughs> if you have any particular memories or thoughts about uh, that experience of having a, a parent artist well, I remember that uh, 
so I, I guess I always describe myself as a free range child. Um, I think that uh, it was it was somewhat of a different time uh, when I was growing up. I don't think that the world was a less dangerous place at that time. But I think that people were much more open to the idea that you can kind of kick kids out of the house and say, go play in the woods, you know, or, um, you know, I remember many times when you would say, okay, I'm going down to the studio now. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I need my studio time. And we were just kind of left to, you know, play a game. Which or... I, I have to say in my own defense, the studio is right behind the house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You were available. <laughs> I um, was. But it was clear that we were not to disturb you unless there was an emergency. That, they, uh, that was the summer experience, which was during the summers, I tried to keep the mornings for my work. And I do remember saying to you guys, okay, you know, you can come and get me if you need me, but I'm going to be in the studio and then it would, if I came up to the house for a cup of coffee or something and you'd, you'd sort of launch on me like, oh, can so-and-so come over? We yeah. wanted, and I'd say, excuse me, but I'm in the zone, so don't talk to me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I don't think that you need to defend yourself. I think that this was actually a very good thing. Um, you know, it gave us a lot of independence, a lot of self-confidence. Um, and uh, I think that that's something that maybe kids are kind of lacking these days. Yeah. Um, when I'm at work, uh, I work in a, uh, it's kind of a strip mall area. Um, but it's, you know, fairly residential around the neighborhood. And, uh, there's a, there's a little girl who her mom works at the grocery store next door. And we often see her, uh, riding her little big wheel around in the, um, not, in, not in the parking lot where there are cars driving, but along the sidewalk. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, she, uh, she comes and, and, you know, looks into our windows and waves at <laughs> us. And, and, uh, you know, I was talking with some customers about it. They were like, where's her mom? You know, yeah. I was like, you know, her, her mom's right next door and we all kind of keep an eye on her. We're not, you know, if, if we ever saw anybody messing with her, then, yeah. you know, we yeah. would intervene. Um, but I, I think that this little girl ends up having a lot of independence and a lot of self-confidence. She goes out and she dances on the sidewalk. And <laughs> I mean, like, I, I love to see her, you yeah. know, uh, being independent. And I yeah. think that that's something that, that we were blessed with because of, you working at home, you know, mm -hmm. whether it, it was doing art or doing something else, um, we didn't have you hovering over us all the time. And I yeah. think that that's something that has benefited us in the long run. And I, I, I'm kind of curious about the, like, I always, I wanted you guys to come to my art openings and things because you were my family and I wanted you there, but was that ever fun? Oh, no, we hated that. <laughs> Well, why why wouldn't you hate it? I mean, you're exactly. supposed to I mean, stand like, around for hours. Yeah, well, adults drink wine and talk about boring stuff, and <laughs> you know, uh, you know, want us to go to like some fancy restaurant and behave, and you yeah, know, it, yeah. it was it like we were, the thing about taking us to art openings is that there was an expectation that we were going to act like we weren't little kids, and we were. Yeah, you know, so. So, so hence the, the food fight that occurred at one gallery opening. Yeah, and I actually don't remember this, but I'm more than happy to hear your rendition <laughs> of the event. Well, I think at the time you said Ben started it, so. Well, of course I did, naturally. <laughs> and, and actually, uh, you know, even though I don't remember the incident at all, I'm absolutely certain that Ben started it, so. <laughs> all I know is I looked over at the you know, the reception table, and you guys were tossing strawberries and things at each other, and 
I was so mortified. And I'm just like, those are not my children. I don't know those children. Whoever brought them was shouldn't have brought them here. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we used to try to arrange it. So like Don would leave a little bit on the early side and take you guys. So you would be there for a shorter time. So this is why we were really there was the dad could leave a little bit early. and. <laughs> But so I'm curious, did it ever occur to you, like, what was actually going on there? Like, people are looking at my paintings. I mean, did that that register at all? Yeah. I mean, as, as certainly as we grew older, we, we knew yeah. that this was part of your job and that, you know, <laughs> part of your job was going and drinking wine and eating cookies and schmoozing with people and, you know, presenting your work in a professional manner. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't think it was ever something that we were interested in participating in. Yeah. Uh, so maybe. Although that- I will say, I remember one opening when Ben was probably, he was probably like first or second grade, and I realized he was taking people, sort of leading them over to some of my paintings and saying, "So, would you like to buy this one?" <laughs> Which, of course, everybody probably thought was adorable, but I was kind of embarrassed. <laughs> so, so there are there are some funny stories and some some pleasant memories. And um, I guess, as far as as you know, final words, I would just say, kids are great, and if if they're in your life, if they're in your future, you know, go for it. Yeah, maybe don't bring them to art openings. Maybe, but. maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Make sure to check out www.coldwaxbook.com and www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your own creative space, messy or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs>